I want you to turn to two passages in your Bibles, 2 Corinthians 13 and Romans. 2 Corinthians 13 and Romans 1. Um, if you'll turn there, I want to share some things with you this morning about worship. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the creator. He is the power of God. But no more than the Father and no less than Jesus. In the Trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. So that in all things, in unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. He is the means by which Jesus, in his manhood, fulfilled the purposes of God. He is the means by which Jesus was made the atonement for our sins. The scripture says he is God and gives to him the attributes that belong to the Son and to the Father. Psalm 139 says, Whither shall I go from your spirit, or whither shall I flee from your presence? And that is omnipresence. In Job, he is the creator. The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty has given me life. The breath of the almighty is the ghost. The spirit of the almighty has given me life. The Holy Spirit issues commands. Thus saith the spirit. And only God can do that. Jesus recognized the Holy Spirit as God. As he commanded the disciples to go and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the expression of revealed truth, the secret of divine power. The Holy Spirit is not a force, an influence, a feeling, enthusiasm, joy, or power. He is God. He has feelings and can love, rejoice, comfort. Teach, he can be grieved, he can be quenched, he can be resisted. He is the spirit of Christ, he is the spirit of adoption, he is the intercessor, he is the spirit of power, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of truth, the spirit of holiness, he is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is the acting representative of the ascended Christ. His mission on earth is to glorify Jesus, sanctify the church, and establish the kingdom. He is the Lord of the body. He fills the body. He directs its movements. He controls its members. He inspires its wisdom. He supplies its strength. There is no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. Preaching is impossible unless it's Holy Ghost preaching. The Holy Ghost alone can guide us into truth. Revelation comes through him alone. He is your comforter. He is your teacher. He is your friend. He is your anointing. He is your authority. He is your intercessor. He is your helper. The believer is born of the Spirit. He believes in the Spirit. He prays in the Spirit, worships in the Spirit, and walks in the Spirit. Apart from the church, the Holy Spirit is still the Holy Spirit. He is undiminished and unchanged. But apart from the Holy Spirit, the church is not the church. 
The church is the habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's house. He owns it. He rules it. He lives in it and through it. Before man could touch it, educate it, influence or redirect it, the Holy Ghost controlled it. And I believe in this last day, he will regain that control again. Why should any suppose man's touch could have a place in God's house when the first church had to be born of, baptized in, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Those demands have never changed. And let me remind you, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. He can be quenched. He can be grieved. And would to God, and I pray to God, that we will be a people who honor and reverence the Holy Spirit of God. For if we are to worship God as the Bible prescribes us to worship God, we must worship God as he is revealed in the scriptures. Not the God of our feelings, not even the God of our experience, but the God of the word, the God of the Bible, the God who has revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, the God who makes no mistakes and no confusions as to who he is, what he is, and what he shall be. We must worship this God in his trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Without each part, each one composing one unity, then we are worshiping a false God and a lesser God and a God that is unimpressive. May we worship God as he longs to be worshiped. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I want to read this and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 1. But in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, there's this salutation, if you will, as he's moving into it. 2 Corinthians 13. And the Bible tells us in verse 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God or the Father and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now, I just quickly want to give you this verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ means the influence of Jesus in your life. The Bible tells us that when we become believers, Jesus comes to live inside of us. All of the hope of your life as a believer is what Jesus Christ can do in you. It is his activity inside of you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And that is what grace is. Grace is the divine activity of God himself inside of your life. Affecting your heart, your mind, your faith, everything about you. He's the one that's inside of you convicting you, chastening you, sanctifying you, maturing you, growing you, defending your faith. And then it says the love of the Father is to be with you. And the love of the Father is the benevolence and the disposition of God in heaven. Our Father revealed to us by Jesus Christ in heaven. That Jesus said, up to this point, you've asked nothing of him. But now I give you authority to talk to my Father directly by using my name. And whatever you ask him in my name, he will do it for you that he might be glorified. And herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, that you ask what it will and it shall be done. The Father is glorified and you have great joy. 
And so when Jesus says the love of the Father, he is telling us that it is my desire, Paul's saying this, it is my desire that you live in the grace of Jesus Christ and you understand the benevolence of the Father's love, that everything he has, he is extending to you. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's not an orphan in God's house. Everyone is sons and daughters. There is not one that God prefers over another. The value of our life was not the way God found us in sin. The value of our life is what God knows he can make us by his grace. And the celebration of God's grace will be the celebration of the blood of Jesus throughout all of eternity as the Father is able to demonstrate the riches of his grace and his kindness to us forever and ever. And that's one reason we need eternity for God to express his goodness to us. He's not waiting for you to get to heaven to be good to you. He's not waiting for you to get to heaven to be a father to you. He's not waiting for you to get to heaven to love you. He wants to do that right now. And therefore we are told the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And that word communion means the partnership of the Holy Spirit. The partnership of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in our life Who makes everything real? He makes the grace of Jesus real. He makes the love of the Father real. He is the one who extends all of the provisions of the Father into our life. The Holy Spirit has come into the world in the name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, to save in his name, heal in his name, baptize in his name, work in his name. There is not a government on earth that can withstand the power of the Holy Spirit. The only limitation that God has on this planet is a resisting church who grieves him and resists him and quenches him from being able to do through our lives what he longs to do. Jesus said and referred to him in Hebrews that a body you have prepared for me. And that was a human body that God miraculously produced and gave through a virgin called Mary. And Jesus was born as a man, lived in flesh and blood body, just like us, but he was without sin. In that human body, he walked on the water. In the human body, he calmed the winds. In the human body, he raised the dead. In the human body, he opened the eyes of the blind and called the cripples to walk. In a human body, body, he commanded devils. There wasn't anything that Jesus was limited in doing. He could do everything God wanted him to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, according to Acts, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, who went about doing miracles and works and wonders for the glory of God. And now Jesus Christ, sending the Holy Spirit into the earth, has prepared for the Holy Spirit a body. And that body is called the church of Jesus Christ, or the house of God. And if the Holy Spirit is to command the devil, he has to do it through your mouth. And if he's going to walk on the water, he has to do it in your feet. And if he's going to raise the dead, he has to do it through your authority. And if he's going to cause the blind to see and the cripples to be healed, he's got to do it through you. He's limited himself to the church, but there's no limitation if we will believe him and if we will be filled with him. So I say this to you because it is imperative that we have this communion with the Holy Spirit. Now, when I read the salutation of second Corinthians chapter 13 about the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father and the communion of the Holy Spirit being with us and his peace and his love then I understand that never did God intend for us to attend a church meeting. 
But the intention and the purpose of God is always an encounter. It is always an opportunity of intimacy and fellowship with God. That is always his objective. God's objective is never to have a church service or a day where we go to church and listen to a preacher preach or singer sing. And I want to compliment the worship today. Excellent. Just wonderful worship. Amen. Beautiful today. Praise the Lord. And I want to say that he didn't come for us to come and sing songs. He didn't come for us to listen to preachers. He came for us to experience the grace of Jesus. He came for us to be lavished in the love of the Father. He, he wants us to come so that we might commune with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is exactly what that means. That God intends for us to gather together as a body in his name. That together we would be able to act in faith and in praise to provide the presence of God for everyone else that comes into this room. Because there's no demon in hell that you can beat on your own. You need the presence of God. You need the presence of God to overcome depression. You need the presence of God to be joyful and to be happy. And therefore we should come together with that purpose in mind. I'm not coming to watch. I'm not coming to be a spectator, but I'm coming to commune with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be his partner. He's my partner. I'm going to be his partner. He doesn't want to grieve me. Why would I want to grieve him? He doesn't want to limit me. Why would I want to limit him? So I'm going to cooperate. You hear me, church? I'm going to cooperate with him. He wants me to praise. Then by God, I'm going to praise. And the Holy Spirit wants to minister. And if he's limited himself to me, then he wants to minister through me. That's why he's given us gifts. He's given you gifts. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The gifts of healing are in you. The gifts of wisdom are in you. The gifts of knowledge is in you. The gift of miracles is in you. The gift of faith is in you. Have you read Ephesians chapter 4? for about how the body of Christ is supposed to be equipped to do the work of the ministry, not the preacher, not the evangelist, not the choir team, but you, the body of Christ, are equipped to do the work of the ministry. Turn the church loose. Turn you loose is what we need to have true worship of God. And another aspect of partnership with the Holy Spirit is to push on the gates of hell, to push on them. I say this to you because you, I would, I would understand that many of you understand something about strength and power. I've shared this with you before. The Bible says we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with power, filled with might, filled with ability. And those of you that understand power and might and strength, when you sit there the way you are in a relaxed posture, you don't feel your strength. You don't feel your power. You're relaxed. You don't feel the strain. You don't feel the resistance. But if you were to push against a weight or pull against a weight, you would begin to feel your power. Your muscles would go to work and you would begin to feel that strain and you would begin to sense that ability that you have to actually move this object that is resisting you. And because you're stronger than it, you can move it in the direction you go. Beloved, when we're in this altar praying, and when we're in worship praising God, and when God begins to move and calls us to be able to pray for one another and pray for the sick and pray for prodigals, do you know what we're doing? We're rising up from a place of rest into a place of action, and we're about to push on the gates of hell. 
And you'll never know how strong you are till you get up and resist the force that's resisting us. Push against hell in the power of the Holy Spirit and you'll find that those gates cannot resist his power. But I say this to you as believers, that many of you have no idea of the power that's in you because you've never moved from a resting place. You've been content to let other people do it, to let professionals do it, to let preachers do it. And you've never been content to do it yourself. But I tell you, rise up, face the weight and put some resistance against it and begin to understand how powerful you are in the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says that the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And he was pretty mighty in his day. He pushed against the gates of hell. And I'll tell you, they began to cave against him. And so all of this equals worship. All of this is the worship of God. Worship is not the song service. It's not the quiet songs. Worship is the partnership that we have in God. And the vessels we become for the Holy Spirit And that the Holy Spirit is able to do what he has been sent in this earth to do. And that is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his desire. Beloved, I want you to understand that there is an unquenchable bond. An unbreakable bond. Between the worshiping heart and the seeking God. Jesus told us a revelation of the Father. In John chapter 4. That the Father is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And I can promise you, whenever the Holy Spirit finds a worshiper, whenever he finds a man or a woman who is longing for God and longing to worship God, God will come to wherever you are. Jesus did something that was unheard of in that day, but he actually passed through the land of Samaria. There was such racism between the Jews and the Samaritans. And to further that, Jesus would even talk to a woman at the well. And to further that, she was an immoral woman who had been married five times. And now she's living with a man. This is the kind of woman a Pharisee certainly would not talk to. This is the kind of woman that churches would certainly not allow into their churches. But this was a woman that wanted to worship God and God went to her. And God revealed himself to her so that she could worship the Lord. There is an unbreakable bond between the worshiper and the seeking God. And when God finds that worshiper and God begins to move into that worshiper's life, she went into a city and brought an entire city to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, she changed the culture of Samaria when she had an encounter with Jesus at the well. She didn't go to school. She didn't have a theological degree. She didn't have a doctorate degree. She hadn't even been to a church training seminar. But she walked with Jesus at a well for a few minutes and went back to a town and said, come and see a man. Oh God, when we can have that and we stop telling people, you need to come to my church. But you say, come and see a man. Come and see a man. That's the worshiper. And it's the worshiper who changes society. It's the worshiper who affects the culture. It's the worshiper who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ in power. This is it. The presence of God makes the difference. The presence of God makes the difference. Moses believed that he was chosen of God when he was in Egypt. He murdered a man and had to flee. Went to the backside of the desert. It doesn't seem that there was much communication with Moses and God for quite a long time. But the difference in Moses' life came in this. It wasn't when he was in Egypt when he had a revelation of who he was and that he might be the redeemer or the deliverer of Israel. But the change in Moses' life is when he stood in the presence of God at the burning bush. Moses was never the same again. 
It's the presence of God that makes the difference. It's the presence of God that makes the worshiper the worshiper and their whole lives change. If you don't believe that, then just ask Jacob what changed him to become Israel. Was it not the presence of God where he wrestled with God through the night and he got the blessing of God upon his life? Was it not the presence of God that answered Job's questions as to why all of these perils were happening to him? God didn't answer one of the questions he asked, but God manifested himself and spoke to him out of the whirlwind. And Job put his hand over his mouth and said, I will never ask you another question because seeing you has answered everything for me. You are God. In Isaiah 1 through 5, 73 times Isaiah condemns the people of Israel. 73 times he declares to Israel, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. But in Isaiah chapter 6, a miracle happens. And Isaiah is no longer just a prophet or a high priest. He's now become a worshiper because he's captivated in the temple of God and he sees the glory of God as it's filling the temple of God. And Isaiah is suddenly a broken man and it's no longer woe is you woe is you woe is you but woe is me for I am an unclean man and I'm a broken man and the broken man was healed in the presence of God listen to me beloved you can go to church till you die and never be changed just get your head full of knowledge but when you encounter God and come into his presence and worship the Lord you will be different and you will change your culture In the power of the Holy Spirit. You know the greatest need of humanity. You got to hear me. Listen to me carefully. It is not so much to be saved from your sin. But that is it. But I want to say it this way. It's to be saved from your own righteousness. Because it is your own righteousness that's going to send you to hell. It's not the fact that believers are... Trying to deny the fact that they've sinned gross sins. I don't think any of us would have a problem with that. It is the righteousness that we covet that's going to send people to hell. Unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus said. He said to, in, in Isaiah, he said to the people that were doing good and, and, and working righteousness, your righteousness and your acts of goodness, they're like filthy rags in the eyes of God. If we're going to have a salvation that saves us from our own righteousness, we need to have a salvation that saves us from our own wisdom. Our own wisdom. And what I'm saying by that, beloved, is we have got to be desperate to bring back the desperation and the need and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We have got to do this. The Bible tells us very clearly in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that the things of God, the natural mind cannot understand. Our ability to even comprehend the love of God is beyond us. For Ephesians chapter 3 says, it is without limit and it is beyond comprehension. So how are you going to know a God that is unknowable and how are you going to comprehend a love that is incomprehensible? You've got to have the Holy Spirit. And you can have faith and not necessarily have the Holy Spirit if you don't know what to put it in. You've got to have the Holy Spirit. That's what Corinthians tells us. God has given us the spirit not of bondage and not of the world, but of God. That we might know the things of God. We have to have God in our life. We have to have the Holy Spirit in our life. 
men standing in the place of the Spirit of God. With their minds filled with knowledge and intellect. Trying to instruct us through doctrines and creeds. They can sooner raise the dead as a spectacular light show can cure a blind man. But let God in the power of the Holy Spirit through fumbling lips. And unlearned men and women begin to declare Christ through their life. And the dead will come back. And the sinners will come to Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. The desperation for the Lord. And the need of God in our life. Multitudes. Multitudes need to understand again. That the Holy Spirit has come into the church. To occupy it. To live in it. And to work through it. To glorify Jesus Christ. His measure in the house. Is determined by his measure in you. The house will never be full. Until the members are full. To the degree that one member is not full. Is the degree that the house is not quite full. The admonitions in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit are nice, not nice instructions. They're necessities. To magnify and to lift up the one that you so love and adore, Jesus Christ. It is imperative that we have his anointing and that we have his help. The power of the Holy Spirit produces within the believer the heart of Christ. The mind of Christ. The power of Christ. The love of Christ. The patience of Christ, the gentleness of Christ, the meekness of Christ, the Holy Spirit, his fruit in us is the epitome of love. And apart from the Holy Spirit, we are left with forms for we have denied the power of God, which is the danger of an end times world. According to second Timothy chapter three, in the last days, they will be given over to seducing spirits and devils and doctrines of devils. And he said they will hate one another and they will envy one another and they will be covenant breakers. And he goes to the end, he says they'll have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. But the power of God is going to produce the life of God inside of you. You don't go to church anymore like you go to church. You go like Jesus goes to church. You don't worship the way you want to worship anymore. The Holy Spirit worships through you. You don't praise God like your tradition. You praise God like the Holy Spirit wants to praise God. It's the anointing of the Spirit. I'm not making this up. The Bible says Jesus said it. The Father's looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. We worship Him in the Spirit, not in the Baptist Spirit or even the Pentecostal Spirit. But in the Holy Spirit, we worship the Lord. I don't have to look like you and you don't have to look like me. I can just tell you at the end of the day, I don't want to leave church and have a sense that somehow I grieved him or I resisted him today. I think I was supposed to pray for that person, but I didn't. I think I was supposed to love on that person, but I didn't. I think I was supposed to ask forgiveness from that person, but I didn't. I was supposed to go and encourage that person, but I didn't. I was supposed to give a word, but I didn't. Oh, God, save me from myself that I would not grieve the Holy Spirit. Because our city is dying. It is dying. And the only answer for that is Christ. And the only answer for that is the Holy Spirit who can reveal Jesus Christ. This is the desperation of it. But many people in our churches have not received this grace. I'm telling you the truth. I've been to numbers of Pentecostal churches over my life. And I have seen very few filled with life and filled with power. 
But I thank God where there is the life of the Holy Spirit. Where is the life and the presence of his power. And this is not in forms and rituals. It's not. This is not in prohibitions and self-denials. That will make a Pharisee. It will never make a Christian. The Holy Spirit makes Christians. The Holy Spirit makes people Christ-like. The Holy Spirit is the difference. He's the difference of our life. He's the difference of our demeanor. He's the reason we're convicted about sin. Many people know sin is wrong. But the conviction of sin and the desire to be right with God is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person. Our churches are filled with people who are broken, unlovable, unable to repair the damage that has happened to them in life. You know what I'm talking about. Probably not one of you in here that escaped that. Our churches are filled with people who have been abused, molested. A wife who's hated by her husband. A husband who's been betrayed by his wife. Friends who have turned on each other. Destroyed a lifetime of friendship. Husbands or fathers who have broken things so badly in their family with their wife or their children that they feel that there's no possibility of it ever being repaired. What is the hope for these people? Other than the Holy Spirit. Praise God there's a hope. The Holy Spirit. The beautiful Holy Spirit. People who are ruled by shame have hope in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God. Who comes to perform in your life what Jesus died to give you. It's not words. It's not philosophies. It's not historical statements. It is the living present reality that the Holy Spirit wants to make real to you. But he's got to get through your flesh. He's got to get through your flesh. In order to get to your spirit. And your heart. And we can't lock him in there. In Romans chapter 1 I want you to just come back with me to this because I believe this has been such a pivotal chapter for me in my life in this recent moment of time that we're living in. I want to begin in Romans 1.16 and Paul says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, what's the power of this gospel? It is the power to reveal a righteousness of God that's by faith and not by works. That's the gospel. And anybody that preaches a gospel that says you're saved by grace, but you must continue in works is a false gospel. As you receive Jesus, you walk in Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith. That's how you live, by grace through faith. And it is this gospel that has the power to reveal that. Now, it talks about power in this verse. Never dissociate power from the Holy Spirit, for there is no power apart from him. And so the gospel of power must involve the Holy Spirit somehow. It must involve the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says in verse 17, in this gospel, in the power of this gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. 
as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And he talks about the judgment of God that is going to come. I want you to skip down to verse 26. It says, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and so did the men. That's talking about homosexuality. Same-sex relationships. It is a sin and an abomination. And if people believe that they can live in that sin without realizing that it is sin and repenting to God in, in the midst of that, they're not right with God and they're not going to heaven. I know that's not popular today. But I want you to understand that one of the chief reasons, and I'm not going to limit it to the only reason, but one of the chief reasons society comes to that, which our society is in, right? We have moral confusion, spiritual confusion, political confusion, sexual confusion, gender confusion, right? Everybody's confused. Nobody knows what they are or who they are. And the reason is, is because they've been handed over by God, according to verse 26, for what reason? For this cause. What did they do? They worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They changed the uncorruptible God into an image like man. And they didn't like to have God in their minds. Don't tell me about God. It's so common in the church today. It used to be in the world, you know. You talk to your friends in the world. Don't be preaching to me. Now you try to do that with Christians. Don't be preaching to me. We don't want God in our minds or in our thoughts. Well, you better put him in there. And if they don't want him, you better insert him in there. Because it is through the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. And we're not ashamed of this gospel. It has the power to save. And so the result or the cause of a chaotic society that ours is in. With numerous suicides and crime and instability and fear everywhere. The reason for that is the lack of worshiping God. Now some people just worship a false god. But many Christians just don't worship God. And it's not necessarily a false God that they have in their minds. They just don't worship. They sing, but they don't worship. It is the worship of God that will bring back the purity and the hope of our societies. You can make that even smaller. It is the worship of God that's going to help your family life. It's going to help your work. If you're a worshiper of God and you're worshiping God and you're close to God and you're walking in his environment, then when you walk into work, his environment is coming into your work. And it's stronger than hell. Same with our families. But we don't have worshiping Christians. We have praying Christians. We have devoted Christians. We have disciplined Christians. We have practicing Christians. We've got all of that. But that's not the reason society's handed over. It's because of the lack of worship. Not even understanding who God is. Some of you parents, you're much more concerned that your children know how to read and write than they know who God is. Can your, can your children give you four or five scriptures why God is omnipotent? 
Can they give you four or five scriptures about the power of the blood and the necessity that Jesus would die on a cross and why Jesus had to be born of a virgin and who he is? Can they give you scriptures about that and talk to him? No, but you better know your history and you better know where Europe is and South America is. And, we're, and I'm not saying that those things are unimportant, but we're not losing our society because we don't know math. We're losing our society because we don't know God. And I'm talking about Christians. This isn't the world. God never expected the world to worship him. It's believers that worship him. And so I just want to continue with this. And I want you to understand that this world is to be won by lovers of God. Power. Listen to me. Power comes out of our relationship with God, not our theology. It comes out of our relationship with God, not our theology. In Acts chapter 4, these Pharisees were confronted with the power of God by ignorant and unlearned men. And the only thing they could say about these men, they've been with Jesus. This worship. They've been with Jesus. And isn't that beautiful? Because it takes away that, that the race is to the swift or the battles to the strong. There's just this benevolent father, as I read in the beginning, who wants to lavish you with love. And this incredible Jesus who wants to give you grace. And magnificent Holy Spirit who wants to be your partner. And says to you, if, if you would only let me, I would live through you. I would do it all through you. And that means that there's not a man or woman, boy or girl, who has an excuse to not be the walking manifestation of God's love and power. We're without excuse. And we have us up. Maybe we sit say, oh, I got a long way to go. We all got a long way to go. But the Holy Spirit can cover a lot of ground in a short time. Amen. He's going to rapture us in the twinkling of an eye. I think he can get me from here to there pretty quickly. And so I want you to see this in Romans 15. I was with somebody years ago and they said, well, what kind of church? I said, we're full gospel. And this was a denominational friend of mine. He says, well, we're full gospel as well. I said, really? You believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the demonstration of his miracle? Well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, if you're not that, you're not full gospel. And this is the scripture here in Romans chapter 15, verse 17. Remember in Romans chapter 1, what's the gospel? It's power, right? And it's the power to reveal the righteousness of God by faith. So listen to this. I'm, I'm talking about changing culture. I'm talking about rescue in our society for the glory of Jesus. Because I believe that is the priority of the Holy Spirit right now before Jesus comes. This world is about to face the most horrific tribulation it has ever faced. And the Holy Spirit wants to rescue people. And if he's going to do it, he's got to have worshipers. All right? And so he says this in Romans fifteen seventeen. I have therefore, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ. And the things that pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things. Which Christ has not wrought by me. I don't care to talk about anything Jesus hasn't done with me. But I'm going to talk to you about what he has done with me. To make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Now there it is. Is our society in trouble? Yeah. 
Is there an answer for our society? Yes, there is. That answer is the power of the gospel. And how does the power of the gospel go forth? Through worshipers. That's what happened at the woman at the well. She went with power and told the men of her city and they all came to Jesus. Wow. We're so scared. See if this isn't true. We're so scared to witness because we're afraid that people aren't going to like us. They're going to ask us a question we don't know how to answer. Or whatever other reasons. And so we're so scared. Why are we scared? Because we haven't really been with God. We've been praying. We've been in training. We, we've been in schools. We've been in under, But worship with God. I saw God. How could David be afraid of Goliath when he saw how big God was? And so Paul says that Jesus Christ, look at verse 17 and 18. Jesus Christ is working in him to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. So there is a power at work in Paul's life that is able to go out into the world of heathens and cause them to become obedient to Jesus Christ in word and deed. Wow. And he says, it's not me. It's not my brains. I'll, I will dare not speak of anything that's not the result of Jesus. Isn't that great? And so he says this, if, if you just look in with me a little bit further. Um, where did I leave off? Okay. It says, verse 19, through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout to Lycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That's the full gospel. It is, it is the gospel that is preached through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. And beloved, that's worship. That is worship. And if you go back to Romans 1, which I'm going to do for just a, a couple of minutes. I'm not going to keep you much longer. I just want you to understand that the only, only hope of redeeming our culture, redeeming your marriage, redeeming your workplace, redeeming our schools. It's not that First New Testament starts a school. What's that going to do if parents aren't worshiping God? Start another youth group. What's that going to do if parents aren't worshiping God? It takes all of us. To lay hold of God and believe God and walk with God. And to be able to trust God and his power to work signs and wonders and miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is committed to give irrefutable evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And he's going to do it in a supernatural church. That means he's going to do it through supernatural people. You are a supernatural people. The Holy Spirit's not coming. He's come. He's not going to be here. He's here. And you're certainly not having to twist his arm saying, when will you feel me? He's probably saying, when will you let me? He has more desire to live in you and empower you and change your circumstances than you even have to change your own. Everyone you love that's lost he loves them more and doesn't want them to be lost. There's a power in him to do something about it. But we need to be worshipers. 
Spend time with God. Walk with God. Walk with Jesus. Understand how great and holy and mighty God is. And ascribe Him that and praise Him for that and testify of Him about that. And let faith begin to rise in you. And that's where that faith comes from, brother. In that Spirit of God. And that fellowship with the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the only hope for parents trying to raise their children in this demonic antichrist world. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Tell your children they can't watch pornography on their phones? So they watch it on their games? Get exposed to it by their friends? 90% of our children get into pornography doing their homework. How, how are you going to know what your friends, your, your, your children's friends are talking to them about? And I mean even, quote, Christian friends. Don't trust everybody's in the church. How are you going to know without the discernment and the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit? What power in the world is going to walk out on those streets of Baton Rouge and cause Gentiles to obey the word of God in word and deed? Who's going to do that? You're going to tell, oh, Jesus is coming back. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to get right with him. That's not happening. But if the Holy Spirit could work wonders through your life and begin to testify of Jesus, and it's not for you to make it up, and it's not for you to determine how it does it, you just walk with God. That's worship. You're just walking with God, worshiping God, dependent on God, praying for God, wanting to be filled with the Spirit, obeying the things that God has given you to do, and you're walking with God, and all of a sudden God just does things through your life. And then you know what's so wonderful? Sometimes He does things in your life you didn't even know that He did until a month later your friend said, man, you really impacted me that day. You're like, what? Yeah, that day, you remember when, no, I had no idea, I had no clue. Oh my gosh, you just changed my life. What, what happened? The Holy Spirit did something through you you didn't even know about. Because that's just the way he works. It's so exciting to walk with God. It's so exciting to be a worshiper. If I had to be a theologian, I couldn't be a Christian. But I can be a worshiper of God. I can be the slow one and still keep up. I can be the weak one and still be able to serve him. Because he's my power, he's my might, he's my everything, everything to me. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God and the power of God and the answer. How are you going to break occultic cycles? How are we going to do that? And yet we spend, Christian families spend more time bringing witchcraft into their homes than they do the worship of God. We watch movies that are filled with witchcraft, spells, new age, astro projection, Things like a Star Wars, full of it. Shows like that's way, way, way back. There's more modern shows now, I guess. We watch witchcraft all the, bring it into our homes. We wonder why we're sick. We wonder why our children are in trouble. We want, do you, you, oh, it's just a fun little movie. Tell that to Satan. No, no, it's not a fun little movie to me. It's a door. You're giving me permission and I'm coming. Don't be fooled, parents. This is a battle. And if you walk with the Lord, the Lord will tell you that. I hate this. I hate this. Because that's what he said in the Old Testament. And he never changes, right? So what does he say? If I'm sitting there, I remember I was in high school. And I went on a double date with my cousin. And we're watching. They wanted to go see this show, The Amityville Horror, whatever. And so I go in there. I'm a Christian, right? And I go in there. I just had a date. I was excited to have a date, you know. So let's go. So I go. we go to this movie. And I'm sitting there. And it's just a demon possession. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm just writhing in my seat. And I'm like, I can't take this. 
This, this is ridiculous. They got this priest trying to sprinkle and tell the demon. And I'm like, just do it in the name of Jesus and be done with it. And I walked out. I couldn't take it. I really did. And it was like, oh my gosh, you know. You think I'm kidding? That's for Lakin. I mean, really, these, this is like, how in the spirit of God can we sit there? With something that's offensive to God and just take it as entertainment. The Holy Spirit changes everything. He works everything in us. And he is the hope of our society and the hope of our culture. If we lose worship, we lose the society. Could you at least agree with that? Romans chapter 1. And so if we were to regain or restore worship, is there the hope of saving the society? And isn't that wonderful? So you're telling me, Pastor, if I just worship God, yeah. He'll do the rest. He'll do the rest. But here's the thing, we don't. We don't worship God. Because of our flesh. For example, in Romans 1, 21, if you're there. It says, because that when they knew God... So these are people that knew God. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. These are the ones that claim to be wise. But they're fools. These are the ones who change the glory of God. These are the people that get really depressed. They're really depressed. They're really hurt. They're really wounded. And they knew God. At some point they knew God. But they're just really down. Really in despair. And they begin to speak things about God that are not true. They begin to change his truth into a lie based on their experiences. And why are they doing that? Because they're not thankful and they're not glorifying God. They're not praising the Lord. And so if you just focused upon verse 21, which I would encourage you to do. What is the answer to a vain imagination and a dark heart? Thanksgiving and glorifying God, which is praise. Thanksgiving and glorifying God, which is praise. And so we have an opportunity to do that every day of our life. Whether you're driving in your car on the way to work and it's Monday and I hate Mondays. And I'm not talking about being these Christians, you know, they're just like, oh, everything's, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just an overcomer, triumphal in the Lord. So, I mean, sometimes I'm doing awful. And if you ask me on that day, I'll probably tell you, I'm doing awful. But it's to begin to preach to ourselves the truth of God, not the truth of my day. And the Lord's an overcomer. And this is the day that the Lord has made. You know what? I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Because I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to work in me. He's my partner. And so I'm going to cooperate with him. And I'm not going to go around with despair and unthankfulness. And not glorifying God. I'm just going to be. And then people say this. You got these wonderful statements. People say. But I don't want to be in the flesh. Right. I don't want to be in the flesh. Are you not in the flesh with your depression? Is the Holy Spirit depressed? No. So if I'm walking around in my depression, I'm in the flesh. 
my self-pity? Am I not in the flesh? If I'm in self-pity, am I not in the flesh if I refuse to enter in the way God says? Does Romans 21 give any exceptions? Only glorify God and be thankful if you got a good report from your doctor. If you're embarrassed, is that not the flesh? It, the flesh is embarrassed, right? If you've been so wounded and hurt that you cannot express your love for God or share your love for God anymore, is that not the flesh? Does a person who gets filled with the Holy Spirit get up in depression and despair? Or do they get up happy and joyful and feel like a 10,000 pound load has been lifted off of them? And so in, in our truthfulness of saying, well, I don't want to be in the flesh, we actually justify our being in the flesh. And I encourage you to begin to exercise your faith, which operates not by feeling and not by sight. And says, you know what? I'm going to begin to thank God and I'm going to begin to glorify and praise God. And that is going to be my habit of life through faith from now on. And I'm going to preach to myself how great God is. And I'm going to exalt him in my life and I'm going to praise him in my life. And you know what he's going to do for me? I'm not going to have a vain mind anymore and I'm not going to have a dark heart. And if I don't have a vain mind and I don't have a dark heart, then nobody's going to change his glory in my eyes. And nobody's going to cause me to believe a lie about God. And nobody's going to cause me to worship the creature more than the creator. If he is magnificent to me. And if he is magnificent to me. Then he's going to be able to do through my life what he wants to do. And in some way and in some part. I'll be able to affect the kingdom of God. For the glory of Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. But if we all as Christians did that. Our effect would be much greater. So some, they worship a false god. But for many in our churches, we just don't worship God. We just don't do it. We don't do verse 21. We don't do Ephesians chapter 5. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And sing and make melody in your heart and give thanks to the Lord. So that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to yourselves. Ephesians 5, I'm not making this up. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord and giving thanks. Well, you don't have to do that. No, you don't. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And your marriage doesn't have to be saved. And your children don't have to be okay. But if you want the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father and the partnership of the Holy Spirit, invite them in. And let's believe the Lord. And let's trust in the Lord. It is the refusal to glorify and give thanks to God that has led to the dull religion of Christianity. That has no appeal to the masses and no power to fight ourselves out of a dilemma. It is this stagnation and flesh domination that has lost the worship of God to theological professionalism. And I say, let's go back to worship the living God. Stand with me. Stand, hallelujah. You can give, let's give him praise. You want to.
That's good to do. Now, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to fill you and produce the life of Jesus in you, to give you his mind, his heart, his passion. So I'm just going to invite you to the altars to come and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just come worship him. You can worship him where you are, but let's just make an act of faith and let's just move towards God because you know if you're a worshiper or not. You might be a practicing Christian. You might read your Bible every day. You might say prayers all day. That doesn't mean you're worshiping doesn't mean you're worshiping. You might preach all the time. You might preach to your co-workers. You might preach to your children, preach to your grandchildren, but nothing's happening. Begin to worship. And maybe you don't even understand what it is. And you would just begin to pray in this altar. Teach me worship. Teach me to worship. Come to me, Holy Spirit, because the father is looking for worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. So I need your help to worship. I need your power. I need your ability. I ask that you change my life. Fill me with light. Fill me with liberty. Fill me with joy. Fill me with the presence of Jesus. Because, Lord, there's no limit to your ability. There's a limit to mine. No limit to yours. As we sing, as we worship the Lord, let's just begin to cry out to God. Let's begin to worship Him. And remember, it's more than just singing a song. It's it's talking. It's crying out to God. It's receiving. It's receiving from Him.